Hello, hello, and welcome to a very special live episode of Art House Garage, the snob-free movie podcast where we make art house indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. Uh, today, we're going to look at the top 10 films of 2020. Um, as I mentioned, this is a live episode. It's just me today. And because of that, um, I'm not really going to edit it too much. Um, there may be some background noise. I may stumble over my words a little more. You may hear a dog bark in the other room, but we're gonna roll with it and just keep going. Uh, if you're watching this live on Instagram, then you can feel free to comment, ask me any questions about the movies I'm talking about. If you have uh, your favorite movie of the year, you wanna shout out in the comments, um, I'll, I'll try and stop and, and tell whether I've seen it or if I have any thoughts on it. Uh, my name is Andrew Sweatman again, and uh, today, let's let's talk movies um so 2020 has been a terrible year for everyone obviously um and it's been a really unusual year for movies so uh it's hard to talk about the movie year without talking about delays and streaming services and theaters being in jeopardy and all that kind of thing um got a comment if you're watching can you really quick tell me can you hear me okay <laughs> um and then yeah, so so many movies I was hoping to watch this year were delayed till next year, um, and, and theaters, of course, who knows the state of movie theaters over the next several months and years, but that said, it has been a good year for movies. Uh, th there's been a lot of good things. I had no trouble making a, a strong top 10 list of movies. This list is on arthousegarage.com. So you can check that out there. And then I also want to say, I know that uh, I've, I've been chatting with uh, Omaya, a good friend of the show, who's been um, on the ep on several episodes recently, uh, just about the act of list making and how it's kind of ridiculous to pit movies against each other. It doesn't have to be that way, but I do think it can be valuable if you are someone who uh, hasn't had a lot of time to watch movies this year and you just want to catch one or two things. Here's 10 really good options. Um, and also, it's just fun to compare and see what I have seen and haven't seen on other people's lists. So all that said, uh, let's jump into it. So my number 10 of the year is called Welcome to Chechnya. This is a movie that we did on the podcast. You can listen to that. But basically, this is a, a documentary. It's um, about a real crisis that's happening right now in Chechnya, which is a, a, a sort of a province or a republic within Russia. Uh, essentially, people in the LGBT community are being hunted down, rounded up, tortured. It's, it's a really terrible situation. And so this documentary is seeking to uh, show that, uh, that problem. It's, there's people with hidden cameras in that part of the world. Um, there's activists that are some of the main characters in this that are, uh, the cameras are following and it's showing the, the links they're going to, to, to rescue people and save people's lives. Uh, it's a, it's a heavy movie, uh, but it's really remarkable. Some of the footage that they got, um, some of the stories of, of people making it out are really just insanely hopeful and uh it's it's a really strong documentary there's also um a really interesting thing so a lot of the um people in the film needed to have secret identities for their own safety instead of blurring out faces or pixeling out faces uh they did this this remarkable um digital veil so basically what they did was they filmed other people's faces making this, trying to kind of match the same emotions of the characters in the film and then digitally grafted them on sort of a deep fake idea but you can tell when that's the case you, it doesn't look 
exactly natural, but that's by design. And so you can immediately recognize, okay, this person's life is in danger. And what that does for the story is really interesting. And um, yeah, highly recommend that one. Number nine is a movie called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, directed by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, This movie we also did on the podcast. It is a movie that's probably not for everyone, but if this sounds like your cup of tea, you might really love it. It's very kind of cerebral. It is um, on the surface. It's about a man and a woman who are dating, and she's about to meet his parents for the first time. Um, but it's also so much more than that, and it's uh, it's very strange. Um, we're getting the narration of the woman character, and uh, the things they're talking about are really odd. We have maybe time travel going on, maybe swapping identities happening, and there's sort of a mystery to it that even if you don't fully unlock the mystery, I think this movie is so full of interesting themes and ideas that talk about subjectivity a lot and uh, film criticism actually which was really interesting for me Um, so yeah I'll I'll definitely recommend it Charlie Kaufman is one of my favorite filmmakers working today and um, this was uh, of the three that he's directed I might like this one the best actually Um, that's streaming on Netflix so it's easy to get to oh I should mention uh, Welcome to Chechnya currently at least is streaming on HBO Max Let's look at number eight. Number eight is Mangrove. Uh, so Mangrove is from di- uh, director Steve McQueen, who is one of our best working directors, I think. He gave us 12 Years a Slave a few years ago, um, Widows um, recently, and also Hunger, Shame, uh, some of his films. He's a really talented filmmaker. Uh, this year he gave us not one, not two, but five films uh, that all are of which are amazing. Um, he teamed up with the BBC and now they're streaming on Amazon Prime for a series of films called Small Acts. Uh, these are different links, but they are all kind of thematically tied. They focus on um, basically the West Indian community in London. So that's people that live in London in the 60s and 70s that are from the West Indies. They're immigrants. And um, they are people who struggle with a lot of uh, horrible racism. And the first one is Mangrove. It's my number eight here. And it is uh, focusing on the Mangrove restaurant and the owner of that restaurant, whose name is Frank Critchlow. And he, this, this restaurant becomes like a cultural hub. And, uh, it, it's really, I think it does a great job of showing, um, the power of, of being with people like you, especially for minority groups. And, um, the music is such an important part of all five of these films. And so their music and their culture and their food, um, is, is so much a part of who they are. And we see the police, police brutality and and just horribly attacking um, their situation there, which leads to a court case. So if you've ever heard of the Mangrove Nine, that's what this is from. This was all new to me, very educational in that way, uh, but becomes a courtroom drama for the second half or so. It's got Letitia Wright as one of the Mangrove Nine. She's incredible. Um, It's just a really dynamic courtroom drama too. I think it's partially interesting because the British court system of that time is also something I don't know much about. And so it really immerses you in that world. And uh, yeah, definitely worth watching Mangrove. Uh, I think it's the longest of the five. Um, and, and one among my favorite of, I mean, all five of them are really fantastic. So check those out on Amazon Prime. That is uh, Small Axe Mangrove. Number seven is called First Cow. And this is from director Kelly Reichert. And she is someone who's made a handful of films now, I think all of which are pretty strong. I haven't seen all of her films, but the ones I've I've seen, I've really connected with. This one, maybe 
most strongly of all. So this is a pioneer story, which is not always something I'm that into, but like pioneer days of America, but it is about, um, essentially the, the main character, his name is cookie. He's a cook. So that's kind of his nickname. And he, um, what's so interesting for me is that it's immediately apparent that he's in this world of like toxic alpha males and he is a really kind and gentle person. Uh, and, and people recognize that immediately. There's, there's moments when there's like a bar fight breaking out and this guy has his baby there and he's like, Hey, you take care of my baby. Cause you're obviously not going to be involved in this manly fight situation. Here's, here's my baby to watch while I go <laughs> kick this guy's ass outside. Um, so it, it follows him and his story as he teams up, he, he meets a, a friend and, and really this is about friendship. I think the core of it uh, is just a, a beautiful film about friendship and they start a business together of him cooking these delicious uh, like fried cakes, oily cakes they're called and selling them to these, these pioneers who have so little comfort of home. Uh, it, it does a good job of kind of setting the stage of how like everyone here is from out of town, except for the native Americans who there are some strong native American characters, but it ends up being this, this interesting uh, reflection on capitalism and friendship. And they're selling these cakes. The, the twist here is that the main ingredient, the secret ingredient of these cakes is milk that comes from the first cow that's in the, the the territory that's why it's called first cow and they're stealing this milk without the owner's knowledge uh the owner becomes involved in their lives and, and so they have this secret that they're keeping and that's kind of where the drama of the film comes from but it's just a really um well-made beautifully told story that um it really engrosses you in that time period so that's first cow Number six is a film called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always from writer, uh, writer-director Eliza Hittman. This is a story, uh, again, that's on the surface. It has, you know, a one-sentence description, but it's so much more than that. So what the, the main story is, is um, a young woman who has an unexpected and unwanted pregnancy. Uh, she and her cousin travel to New York City to seek an abortion. But uh, there's so much going on kind of beneath the surface, I think, so what's interesting about this for me is that no one in this film is talking about their feelings. Um, they're going through trauma, like a very traumatic situation. Um, but it feels very realistic in that it almost frustratingly realistic. They're like, I wish you would just tell her how you're feeling right now. And you could communicate a little bit more, <laughs> but it does. It feels so realistic that way. And I think that's key to, um, to why this movie works so well. And so because of that, all the emotions are beneath the surface and these, um, these performances, especially the lead, is uh, which is Sydney Flanagan, it's almost deadpan at times. She's just uh, keeping it all bottled up inside, and and so the few moments when it does come out are just wrecking. And um, she she meets up with social workers uh, along the way, and you kind of go through the process of what are these abortion clinics like, and uh, I, another movie about friendship, but in a kind of a very different way than first cow. Um, but yeah, never rarely, sometimes always also streaming on HBO right now. Highly recommend that one. Um, yeah, it's really good. Number five is one night in Miami. Uh, this is one I saw, uh, a, a few months ago. I was lucky to see it because it's, uh, it's going to be streaming in a couple weeks on Amazon, but right now, uh, it's only in theaters. I was able to see it at a drive-in, uh, thanks to Arkansas Cinema Society. 
And this film is directed by Regina King, who has typically been an actor, but uh, this is her first, her directorial debut. And it tells a story, a uh, true story, but embellished. Uh, it's a stage um, adaptation of, of play of the same name, One Night in Miami, that tells the story of Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. Uh, these four men, these kind of titans of black history, really did spend an evening hanging out after Cassius Clay uh, unexpectedly was uh, won the heavyweight champion of the world. This was in 1964. And so this um, play and now movie, it's from the same writer, Kemp Powers, who made Soul, who uh, co-directed and wrote Soul, the Pixar movie. But it, it kind of imagines what, what these guys must have been talking about, uh, what would be interesting to them. They talk about challenges facing the black community. They talk about the Nation of Islam because Malcolm X is courting Cassius Clay to join the nation and kind of what that means for his life. And um, it's incredibly educational, again, for me. I grew up going to public school. I did not learn a lot of black history. I was w vaguely aware of, I, I knew quite a bit about some of these men, but I didn't know much about Sam Cooke or Jim Brown. And um, so I learned a lot through the process. And it's a good jumping off point too. To, I mean, I, I jumped on Wikipedia and started researching these guys as soon as the movie was over. But it's very well written, very well acted. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is Sam Cooke, and he is... So, so good. Um, if you, you've seen Hamilton, you've seen him as uh, Aaron Burr, and he's really, really great in this as well. There's more to get into with that movie, uh, but it we also did a podcast on it. If you want to dig a little deeper, you can listen to the Art House Garage episode from a couple weeks back. Number four is Nomadland. Uh, this movie I also saw at the drive-in at Arkansas Cinema Society. Thank you again, Arkansas Cinema Society, for bringing that film. This one, um, another emotionally <laughs> overwhelming film. This is about, um, uh, her name is Fran, played by Frances McDormand. I'm second-guessing that that's her name in the movie. I'm forgetting. It's been months since I watched it. But she... Um, has suddenly found herself without her husband. He's died recently. And her hometown has basically gone away because of uh, economic recession. So she is, as she says in the trailer, not, not homeless, but houseless. She's living in her car and finding work. And she discovers the nomad lifestyle, which is a real thing. And, and what's amazing about this movie is that so many of the people in the film are real life nomads. And so it's blending documentary in really seamlessly. Um, I also did an episode about this film on the podcast with, with Marty Lang. And he talked about just how seamless it is. And, and he's seen, Marty said, he's seen several films that do this, but never quite so seamlessly that you never quite know who's a real person and who's an actor. Um, because of that, it's so much more powerful to, um, when you do realize that's their real story they're telling. And so she encounters all these real people that are um, kind of living outside of the mainstream in America and traveling around, finding odd jobs, living in their vehicles. They have conferences, they have influencers, um, and it follows her as she kind of deals with some family drama. She finds friends, friendship, and um, struggles with what to do next. And, uh, yeah, this movie depicts loneliness, I think, more strongly than um, just about anything I've seen. And it, yeah, I just, I really found it overwhelmingly um, emotional in a, in a good way. Um, so 
not necessarily a light film, but really a fantastically made one. So I highly recommend Nomadland. Number three is Dick Johnson is Dead. So this is a film, a documentary, another kind of playful documentary. Um, This is from director Kirsten Johnson. You may have heard her name. She directed Camera Person a few years ago, 2016, I believe. And that was a, a kind of a memoir of different things she's filmed as a camera person over the years. This one is really, really personal. She follows her father, Dick Johnson, as his health is degrading. He has dementia. And so she's kind of documenting that. But also, uh, she's staging his death in a number of unusual ways. There's my dog barking. Um so, for instance, uh, falling down some stairs to and falling to his death, and she has stunt doubles, and it's it's if that sounds really weird, it is pretty weird, but it's it's a way to confront death um, with a smile, basically, uh, on their own terms a little bit, and uh, you, you get to know Dick Johnson so well. So through these staged death scenes, through a staged funeral, um, and just through their personal conversations about uh, her mother who has passed away in the last few years, and um, I don't know, it's, it becomes this, this beautiful reflection on death, uh, but it's also so funny and heartwarming, even as it's really emotionally um, devastating isn't the right word, but it's it, potent again, I think is a, a good word that... Um, you're going to feel something watching this, but it's also, it's very life-affirming and, and kind of humanistic. Uh, so I highly recommend Dick Johnson is Dead. That one is streaming on Netflix. Also, there is a podcast episode from Arthouse Garage a little earlier up in the feed if you want to listen to that. My number two movie of 2020 is Lover's Rock. This is another from Steve McQueen as part of, uh, part of that five-part um, small act series. Uh, so this one is... A little bit more um, hopeful, maybe than than Mangrove. Uh, so this tells a, a story of one night at this house party. Again, it's in this West Indian community, so it's a very particular subculture in London. Um, it's a very particular time. It's in kind of the late '60s, early '70s, and very particular music. All this reggae music that um, was just, I immediately found that someone had put a playlist together on Spotify to listen to some of these songs because it's it's almost all new to me, um, but it really showcases the music really well. But more than anything, it it shows the the dance floor and the before the party, people getting ready. Uh, It just immerses you in this world and takes its time showing every aspect almost like a dazed and confused kind of in a very different context but it's like a hangout movie in that way where it's it's jumping from just character to character even these small characters are really memorable and really well fleshed out there's a bouncer who comes in a few times and uh his his costume and his um his demeanor is just he's a strong character and the the radio or the djs who are uh behind the speakers uh on the microphones are uh you just grow to love these people really in a short amount of time i think it's only 70 minutes or something it's it's pretty short but it is uh really a powerful film it it follows martha who she sneaks out of the house to go to this her first party and she falls in love with someone and there's moments where there's lovers dancing on the dance floor uh, slow dancing and then there's moments when all the women take the floor and they have uh, a song that they dance to and all the men take the floor at a different point and the very different styles of dancing and uh, it's it just constantly surprised me but also (laughs) just uh, 
made me see the beauty, uh, which I think a lot of good films do, is kind of give you empathy for people that you maybe didn't know much about before the movie started. And that's the case for Lover's Rock for me. Uh, it's it's very sensual, I think. There's a lot of um, just slow shots of the dance floor again, people dancing. Um, all of the small X films, uh, incredibly well directed. There's a lot of really stunning shots in all of them. Uh, and that's definitely the case in Lover's Rock as well. Lover's Rock, 70 minutes. You can make time for that. Uh, all right. My number one film of 2020 is called Sound of Metal. And this movie I love so much. It is directed by Darius Martyr, who I think he maybe has one other film credit as a director, but this is sort of a, a breakout for him. It is about a metal drummer played by Riz Ahmed. His name in the film is Ruben. Riz Ahmed's performance is mind-blowingly good in this and he uh, he's a metal drummer as I mentioned he and his partner are like a metal duo traveling around together and performing shows and then he suddenly loses his hearing uh, which as you can imagine is devastating to him as a musician so this film follows him as he tries to figure out what are my options going forward Um, he's very I got a comment Omaya has been trying to get me to watch that yes I think you're talking about Sound of Metal or maybe Lover's Rock, both of which are great. But sound, no, it's probably Sound of Metal because Omaya told me he watched Sound of Metal twice in one week. <laughs> After I watched it, I was like, I get it. Um, so he he's very hesitant to uh, embrace deafness. And this ends up being a lot about uh, the deaf community, actually. It really raises awareness in that way, but in a way that is uh, completely organic and you feel all of the... Uh, pain that that Ruben is experiencing as he uh, it's out of mental Michael's uh, specified yes it's a fantastic movie um, all the things he's going through and all the uh, challenges he's facing um, and there's just there's a there's a scene I mean the ending of this movie really knocked me out there's a scene towards the end with just some really unspoken I don't mean unspoken like sign language but like literally there's just an understanding between two characters that um there's just sort of, sort of a depth of understanding that it just really points to incredibly strong filmmaking. Uh, yeah. Sound of metal. Wonderful, wonderful movie that is on Amazon prime. And, uh, I'm hoping it gets some awards attention this year because it is really worth it. Uh, a lot of these films I hope will get awards attention this year. That's a little bit in question for the small X series because it's is it TV? Is it movies? It's hard to say. I wasn't sure if I should just put small acts as one set on here because it would probably bump up to number one, having so many strong films in it. I decided to split them up, um, but all of them are definitely worth watching. I do have a few honorable mentions on the television side was the show Devs from our Alex Garland, who directed uh, Ex Machina and who directed... Um, Annihilation, if you saw that movie, uh, both of which I really like. Devs is an eight-part series. It is um, really, it's like a strong tone. It's like this dark, brainy sci-fi, hard sci-fi, you might say, uh, very high concept. But it follows a young woman who is working at a kind of a mysterious tech company, like Apple or Google-ish, but more secretive. And uh, Nick Offerman plays the CEO who is very mysterious you learn more about him as it plays out, but it just ends up leading to all these big questions about the world and uh, the nature of the universe and is there a multiverse and are we living in a simulation and those types of things. 
very much recommend it. That's on uh, FX on Hulu. Uh, and one more um, honorable mention for best of 2020. And this is something that I, it's just my most watched thing. Uh, it's, it didn't make my top 10 list, but that is Hamilton. Uh, so finally, Hamilton is accessible to everyone this year. And, and if you're at all keyed into movies, you've probably watched it at this point. But it's something that we've played over and over. And going forward, it's probably going to be my 2020 movie that I watch the most. Just because it has insane replay value. So Hamilton's great. A few things I haven't seen yet that I hope to watch soon that I think might have made my list. Actually, a couple I've watched since I made the list. One is an animated film called Wolf Walkers. That's on Apple TV+. Plus. I love this movie so much. I, so my list is made. I don't have to worry about where it would go on the list, but I think it would probably be in the top 10. Uh, this is a, an animated film about uh, a young woman who is, um, I don't know, facing some issues where her father is uh, in charge of killing the wolves. She has encounters where she starts turning into a wolf. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's really, it's beautifully animated. It's from Cartoon Saloon, who made a film called The Breadwinner, Secret of Kells, and Song of the Sea. They have a great track record. This one's no different. I highly recommend Wolf Walkers. It's uh, it's got a beautiful score. Again, absolutely insanely gorgeous visuals. It's also just kind of like badass. Like it's kind of got like a, almost a Game of Thrones-esque kind of, um, Maybe I just think that because it has Sean Bean as one of the voices, uh, but it's a great voice performance. But uh, in particular, the two young women have uh, fantastic performances, uh, voice performances in this. So highly recommend Wolfwalkers. Another one I watched recently is called The Vast of Night that I really loved. It's about, it's a sci-fi thing about some, uh, basically a radio personality and a, and a phone operator in the 50s they start to pick up some unusual signals on their radio frequencies and uh, wonder if there might be extraterrestrial life in the area. Uh, and I won't say any more than that, but it's really, really well done. A really um, paranoia, kind of well-told thriller. I think that's about it. So some things I haven't watched yet. I have not seen Minari. That's one I really wanted to catch before my end-of-the-year list, but may not happen. Uh, I mean, well... 2020 is over so it didn't happen but that's going to be in theaters and hopefully streaming before too long there are a handful of other titles i have not caught up with ammonite is one i wanted to see but it's not yet available i didn't watch uh, david burns american utopia it's supposed to be very good from spike lee haven't seen that yet that was 2020 again it was a really good year you can see the whole list uh, at arthousegarage.com for about half of these films we've done a podcast on already hopefully we'll do for some of these others in the coming weeks and months uh, so you can check those out in your podcast feed thank you so much for watching this uh, thanks for listening to art house garage we've got a few years worth of episodes now uh, so you can find all of those in your podcast app of choice if you want to support art house garage you can leave a rating or review in your podcast app you can also buy a t-shirt or hat at arthousegarage.com slash shop uh, you can follow on social media on letterboxd uh, facebook twitter instagram you can look at arthouse garage in all those places and uh, i think that about wraps it up thank you so much for listening and until next time keep it snob free